Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. We are now streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn in addition to Blueberry, SoundCloud, and at www.vhha.com. You can also hear episodes of the podcast each Saturday at 11 a.m. on WJFN 100.5 FM in the Richmond area. Please listen and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we always welcome your questions, comments, or feedback, which can be emailed to us at pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. And with that settled, we are excited today to have two guests with us in time for Sepsis Awareness Month, which is this and every September. Joining us are Dr. Michael Hooper, the Vice President of Medical Affairs at Centera Norfolk General Hospital, and VHHA's own Joyce Davalt, a nurse leader who focuses on reducing patient harm and sepsis prevention in her role as Director of Performance Improvement at the VHHA Center for Healthcare Excellence. Welcome to you both, and thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're delighted to have you both. So as I mentioned, today we're talking about sepsis, which is a potentially life-threatening complication arising from an infection, whether it's bacterial, viral, fungal, etc., that reaches the bloodstream and provokes a strong reaction from the body's immune system. When this happens, organs can be damaged or even fail to function properly. And in severe cases, when that infection leads to septic shock, patients can experience a dramatic drop in blood pressure that can be fatal. Outside of healthcare circles, I'm not sure there's widespread public awareness about sepsis, despite the fact that 1.7 million American adults develop sepsis each year, and it is the cause of one in three hospital deaths. At Centera, hospitals have partnered with a prescriptive analytics company to launch a tool that helps alert staff when a patient may be at increased risk for sepsis. This artificial intelligence tool has been embedded in Centera's electronic medical record system, and it is an advancement over a previous sepsis sniffer program in place at Centera, if I understand. So with that set up, Dr. Hooper, if you would, please share some insight about how this system works at Centera, uh, the inspiration for it, and how it's helping with early intervention and prevention efforts. Yeah, so it is widely accepted among experts or even non-expert clinicians that the earlier you detect a septic patient and treat them, the better they do. We've had countless numbers of studies which have shown that, and it's now best practice and standard of care to have some kind of screening algorithm live uh, in your hospital to make sure that patients both in your emergency room and medical surge units and ICUs of your hospital are not missed when they start to develop sepsis or septic complications. So we understand that, and there, and and we had multiple processes in place that were manual uh, in terms of screening, and we felt that with modern technology and the amount of data uh, at hand that we could improve upon those processes, uh, and so we have multiple different processes in place to try to identify septic patients. Um, one is a screening algorithm which looks for patients who are actively septic. And then the second that you referenced is a detection system which looks at at numerous data points and uses a third-party vendor to then process that data and predict the likelihood of a patient developing sepsis in the future. Um, And and that's over a a 24-hour period. And the idea was that some of these cases could be prevented and or we could have heightened awareness on high-risk patients that would allow for earlier detection if sepsis uh, did occur. 
And just quickly as a follow-up, Dr. Hooper, are there any data points at this this juncture indicating uh, the success of, of this, this system that's in place? So I, I think what, what we know at this point is that the, the system has the accuracy as, as billed in terms of detecting patients who have a high likelihood of developing sepsis. We then use several interventions to try to prevent sepsis in those patients and encourage awareness via an alert to our nursing staff. In terms of outcomes, it's a little bit more difficult for us to say with certainty that that specific intervention has made a large impact in terms of our outcomes, but we are tracking that. Unfortunately and fortunately, we we see positive changes in our sepsis mortality that are encouraging, but but we've done multiple things at the same time, so attributing that uh, only to the predictive analytic tool is is difficult to, to do at this time. Okay, so it sounds like a combination of strategies are are at work here to to enhance both prediction and and detection and and hopefully intervention. And so I appreciate you sharing that explanation, Joyce. I want to shift to you. So we heard Dr. Hooper talk about some of the the protocols that are in place at Centera. As I mentioned, your background is in nursing. I wonder, from a clinical perspective. As you sort of were in your role evaluating and rounding on patients, what signs or symptoms are providers looking for to detect sepsis? And what from there would be a typical response or course of treatment when that condition is detected in a patient? Certainly in the rounding in the hospital setting, paying attention to the signs of vital sign changes, mental status in a patient. These are pieces when the nurses are rounding that you want to pay attention to between shift change, rounding from one nurse handoff to the other. And certainly once that is identified and evaluated, the protocols, what we call for the sepsis bundle, would be to move to push fluids to get antibiotics started, to do blood cultures, get antibiotics started, and uh, treat as rapidly and quickly as we can. We do know that probably 80% of our sepsis deaths could be prevented by simply just having that rapid response. Time is of the essence as we would respond to stroke or heart attack. We need to respond just as quickly to the insidious symptoms of sepsis. If we overreact, okay, fine. But, you know, this is how we can meet the mark. And these technical advances that we have to help us be able to see those minute changes earlier on are most helpful in the busy, rapid, changing environment that the nurses are working in. So it's a tool that kind of brings it to their attention, I think. Well, thank you for giving us that clinical perspective, Joyce. And I want to come back to a point you made in a moment. But first, I want to segue back to Dr. Hooper for a second and talk about the notion that in addition to applying this data-based approach to preventative sepsis detection among the patient population at Centera, as I understand it, Dr. Hooper, you're also part of a team of physicians who are working on a a pretty ballyhooed clinical trial that seeks to determine if a promising sepsis treatment protocol, which involves vitamin C, hydrocortisone, and thiamine, is an effective antidote. Um, if you could, tell us a little bit about um, that trial process and where does the process stand at this moment? Yeah, so the, the trial you're referring to is called the Victus trial, V-I-C-T-A-S, and it's a trial that's coordinated out of Johns Hopkins with principal investigators also 
from Emory University and a data coordinating center at Vanderbilt University. It has over 40 active sites for investigation, so a very large U.S. multi-center randomized controlled trial, double-blinded, looking at vitamin C, thiamine, and hydrocortisone for the treatment of sepsis, as you detailed. It is has an enrollment of 501 patients national, nationally uh, right now. Um, there is a hold on enrollment, and decisions are ma- being made about further enrollment based on funding versus termination of the study and a final analysis. Those discussions are ongoing, and we'll, we will know more soon. There are multiple other trials being performed nationally looking either at vitamin C alone or some combination of those therapies in sepsis. Uh, one notable one is happening out of Beth Israel Deaconess and is nearing um, its targeted enrollment. There was an ARDS trial, relatively small trial, but uh, but around 200 patients completed in Richmond by investigator Barry Fowler at VCU, and we're all anxiously awaiting results of that trial. So I, I think what I can say is there's some very small randomized controlled trials and observational data that suggest that vitamin C might be an effective treatment for sepsis and possibly um, other forms of critical illness as well. And I think that we are going to have some very good data uh, in the very near future that, that helps answer that question definitively. Well, it sounds like there's some exciting and promising research happening in this area, so it's good to hear that uh, you and others are, are actively working on this. Joyce, bringing it back to you, preventing sepsis is part of a broader initiative in healthcare to limit patient harm, and that could include physical incidents such as falls among patients or to reduce healthcare-associated infections. Joyce, if you would, can you give a global Virginia perspective on the journey to zero harm and collaborative efforts among hospitals on that front, which is being facilitated by the work you do at the VHHA Center for Healthcare Excellence? Yes, there are a variety of activities that I'm certainly um, currently involved in, uh, not only the work with the American Hospital Association through our HEN, which is the Hospital Innovation Improvement Network, as well as the work we do with the Healthcare-Associated Infection Advisory Group, which involves the Virginia Department of Health, Health Quality Innovators, which is our state QIO, and the VHHA, and other stakeholders as well. We meet quarterly and have multiple activities going on to work together collaboratively in a way to be able to address the most current, most critical infection issues and treatments, uh, not only just in the hospital setting, but nursing homes and home health in the community and addressing as well patient and family education at every level of care that's involved. Those efforts all are looking at to reduce patient harm to zero. That's a a national initiative as well, and certainly most of our facilities are working towards that and have some structure in following those critical uh, events um, to be able to address interventions that can make a difference. Well, that's uh, that's great work that's happening, and I want to thank you both for your efforts uh, in this arena to protect patients and, and enhance positive outcomes. Before we go... We're going to close with a question that we ask all of our guests on VHHA's Patients Come First podcast. It's one that we borrow from a popular BBC program, and the question is this. If you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you like to take with you? 
and we will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what one book, one movie, and one album would you take with you to pass the time and keep yourself company? Dr. Hooper, we will start with you. <laughs> that's a, that's a, uh, not one I saw coming. That's great. Um, let's see. If I had one book to take with me, I would... I would probably take Pride and Prejudice. I would take for movies Shawshank Redemption, and I would take for albums Bon Jovi, New Jersey. someone who was born in North Jersey, I've got to applaud that pick. And so you've got uh, Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy, uh, and you've got Red, and you've got John Bon Jovi. So all great choices, in my personal opinion. Joyce, what about you? Well, let's see. Um, as far as a book goes, I think I'd probably want to take my Bible with me if I'm stranded on an island. Movie-wise, Bridges Over Madison County, one of my tear-jerking movies. And album-wise... Probably my old Beatle, Beatle albums. What's your favorite Beatles song, Joyce? Oh, let's see. Let It Be. Let it be, yeah, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. Yeah. That's where I was going to go, too. I like that, yeah. If you were stranded on an <laughs> island, maybe you'd want to sing I Want to Hold Your Hand, but you'd have nobody who's, yeah, that's nobody's true. hand to hold. <laughs> Well, listen, I appreciate both of you making a few moments of your time to be with us today, and that is going to do it for this episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. As we said at the top, if you like what you heard, please visit us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Um, You can also subscribe to receive alerts when new episodes are available. And again, thank you to our guests, Dr. Michael Hooper of Centera and Joyce Davalt of the VHHA Center for Healthcare Excellence for being with us today. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.